Thanks for joining us on our mid-year review on the Blue Baggers podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Andy. Andy, my man, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, going not too badly. Um, this is going to be an interesting show, this one. Yeah, it is. So we've, we're going to do the, the mid-season review. It's a perfect time. We've got the bye this weekend. It's been a really good weekend, hasn't it? Because I haven't actually felt really upset. No. Well, we, we can't lose. No, can't, we, we can't win, but we can't lose, and it's nice to have a break, and I think we're entitled to a break after the way the season's transpired to date. And particularly on a Sunday, this is right now we would be 26 minutes after our typical 3.20 game. So it's uh, it's nice that I'm kind of, I feel like I'm going to go into Monday reasonably level-headed and uh, with a reasonable temperament. Yeah, and we can't get made fun of. Um, it's not crisis time <laughs> from a weekend results, so all's good, I guess, that way. But we find ourselves in a very interesting uh, time, part of the year, part of the season, and particularly for this football club. Um, we're in probably some uncharted waters, and we weren't expecting to be in this position come halfway through the season. No, we weren't. We weren't. It's been a, it's been a really disappointing season, I think, 2021, and we've... I think all supporters and I think the, the Carlton Football Club as a, as a whole thought it was going to be a year that we that we were going to be playing finals or at least... Oh, I think it was a year that we expected to be playing finals. I think we'll leave it at that, yeah? I think there are fair expectations of whether we were going to is a different story. We had us... I'm trying to think pre-season. I reckon you and I had us maybe somewhere 6 to to 10. Is that fair yeah, for memory? Did, um, and we did cop a little bit of slack for that, that we actually left ourselves out of the eight. But um, when you're looking at it now, I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting 14th at the moment and we've still got another half footy to go. But I think that's probably a fair assessment. And But we're nowhere near that 6 to 10 mark, are we, at the moment? No, certainly not. And look, the expectations were we would improve on last year. And we finished, was yes. it 10th or 11th last year? I can't even remember. Uh, 11th. 11th. So, you know, logically, an improvement on that has you 10th and upwards. We're 14th at yeah. the moment. You'd look at it and say we've regressed. We have had a reasonably challenging first half to the year, but no excuses, and obviously the club's seen that as well, as have the supporters, and we do find ourselves with that external review or independent review about to occur. Yeah, that's right. And look, at, to be honest, just going back to that, that ladder prediction, and we did finish 11th last year, if, we, if you'd said last year, at the end of last year when we'd finished 11th that we were going to finish 10th in at the end of 2021, I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people would be really disappointed with that. Yeah, and again, it just goes to show the, uh, the variance and the difference between Carlton supporters. The optimistic ones would have had us top eight, pushing top four even, and then there yeah. would have been some that were a little bit more pessimistic or realistic, as they'd probably put it themselves, that would have thought, well, we're absolutely no Monty's to make the eight, and we're mid of the table kind of team and that you know we maybe will push for sort of 10th or 9th I don't think anybody really had us finishing lower than last year though no I don't think so at all uh, it's been a it's been a disappointing year and look let's talk about when we were touching on the expectations of what we had for 2021 and like you said we predicted about 6 to 10 you wouldn't have predicted a external review you wouldn't have expected some of the storylines that have come across and, and maybe some of the regression in some of the players. Um, it's just been a really down year, but we have had some highlights which we'll touch on. You know, players like Harry Mackay and, and Weedering and, and Sam Walsh have been tremendous. So, 
They're somewhat that, few and far between, though, aren't they? The highlights for this year. Oh, absolutely! It's been a it's been a shocking year for Carlton. So, how are we going to do? So, we're going to look at the team performance first of all, and then go through sort of the players and touch on those and give an assessment there. Yeah, I think we do that. Let's talk about maybe what we we have identified and we we touched on last week what we call the big four. Should we talk about that? Where we thought there were issues um, at the mid mid season. Yeah, let's do a refresher on that one. And again, that was a podcast we, we didn't get out, unfortunately, after recording for 54 minutes. But uh, let's let's go there because I think that's pretty important when we're talking about that independent review coming on and what that may look like. Yeah, so we said the big four, Chris, were the big four issues at Carlton was number one, the coaching. Uh, this is in no particular order. Number two was fitness in terms of uh, our injuries and, and the management of that. Yeah, so we look at that one as maybe conditioning, fitness, injury management. They can all pretty much be lumped together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three, we had team selection, uh, which we've, we've had a lot of discussions about this year. And, and four is, is player development in terms of how we've developed younger players on the list and players in the twos and, and has there been development from players that we've got from other clubs. So I think that'll all come into when we're talking about the team and when we're talking about players. And certainly, if we were to do the uh, the review ourselves, I think that would be the big focus for us when it comes to you know the actual team and you know the, the football performance of the football department. Yeah, that's right. And so we did this podcast last week. Uh, I think early last week. What? There's obviously been a little bit of development in relation to this external review, Chris. Can you tell us what yeah. we know about it now? Yeah, there's been a little bit, not a lot, but uh, the panel has been identified. So that's Graham Lowe, who's been involved with rugby, AFL. I think he was involved with the Bulldogs in their 2016 premiership year. He's been involved in high performance with rugby, the All Blacks, uh, the America's Cup. As well, we have Jeff Walsh, who every, you know, would probably be familiar to everybody. He's been at quite a few different AFL football clubs. I've got a feeling he might, may have even started at the Blues originally in administration, but he's been most recently at North Melbourne, and he was at Collingwood for a long time. So he's a, just a football head. And then we have Matthew Pavlich to round out the three-person panel. Yep. And I, my immediate thoughts with that are, are probably good selections. I can sort of see... Where they're going with that, there's the talk that Jason Dunstall was invited and kindly uh, declined a position on this panel. But with the three, I mean, you've got two very uh, heavily involved sports administrators, multi-sports. Jeff Walsh has been that real football brain and he's seen success and what that yep. looks like. And he's been involved in club cultures across a lot of clubs. So that makes sense to me. And I guess the Matthew Pavlage one, there's a bit of criticism. Well, the bloke hasn't won a premiership before. What would he know? But I'm okay with that because he's been very close. He's been at Fremantle. They're a fairly good team there. We all know the caliber of player he was. Um, even off the ground, he's quite the astute media performer. He was the president of the AFL Players Association. So I think his role will really be that player representation, speaking with them and understanding you know, their voices and what he's hearing. From there, so I think they've approached it in terms of those names quite well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I look. I'm I'm neither here nor there. I I, I like Pavlich. I think maybe it is. It doesn't bother me that he hasn't had the ultimate success. Uh, look, I'm just I'm more interested in how this is all going to 
how it's all going to play out. And, yeah, so we've got, um, we've got the names. Real, we've got the panel. We've got the names. And do you know what the names at the moment? Look, yeah, I don't mind the names, but at the moment I'm not going to make a huge... Um, there's no huge update for me in relation to the review yet. So yeah. I think step we'll one has been done well, but there are so many other factors in this review yeah. to consider. So we've got a little bit of information in terms of the names. They've obviously got that together quite quickly. What we're missing still are the timelines around this review, how long the review will take, when the findings will be you know, made available. We've also got the scope. It's still a little bit ambiguous. They've said sort of the football department, but what does that exactly cover and how deep does it run? And then the last yeah. one you know, is probably the big one is the, the adoption and the implementation of the recommendations. What is our Which we commitment? know doesn't, yeah. What yeah, is our yeah, commitment how, how, to that? How strict is it going to be? Yeah, so, you know, the, the report, there's going to be a report produced at the end of all this and surely there'll be recommendations as part. That'll be the most fascinating area of the report for all of us, not the how they got there, but what has been found as part of this review. But mm -hmm. that's on paper. And then what is the board's commitment to accepting these recommendations? Yeah, exactly right. So that'll be the, exactly uh, the right. ultimate sort of, uh, I guess, factor in whether this is a successful review and how deep it actually really cuts. Yep, exactly. And, and the time will tell them and it's going to go over a, a reasonably lengthy period, probably till the end of the year, and there'll be big decisions made and we can only, yeah, only wait and, and see how it plays out, to be honest. All right, in light of that and knowing that, let's do our own sort of review and try to pick apart where we think the issues are and also just get a bit of a sense of where the club's at, where it rates. We've got a, our, our own eyes. We've seen a lot yep. of football. We've got our own thoughts, but uh, we thought we'd delve a bit deeper and you've gone and done some uh, stat hunting to try to back uh, it up yep. and just to give a bit more of a broader, I guess, broader and more detailed analysis and assessment to what our eyes have seen ourselves. Well, thinking, Chris, before we get into stats, I mean, we've, I think it's fair to say we've had, when we have had complaints in relation to Carlton, it has been pretty common each week, hasn't it? Very, very consistent. That's, you know, our performances have been probably the only consistent thing all year. So, not the right consistent we wanted, but um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, and, and I agree, and we're, we're saying that there's been a lot of dumb football. Um, we, we let ourselves down with our with our disposal efficiency, our kicking efficiency, uh, maybe not as smart as we need to be. Uh, there's been a lot of issues across the board, which I think that we're saying that might be an issue with the coaching, but whatever it is, it's not working out at the moment. No, absolutely. So where do you want to start then? Looking at the I'll season, look looking at where the team, not the players, but the team is at the moment. Yeah, sure. I mean, ladder position, we've mentioned, we're 14 which is well below par for what we're expecting. Yep. Any stats, anything you want to sort of bring well, to I'll the table? Well, I'll start with it. Out, out of suppose, this is um, our average compared to all other clubs for this season. So for disposals, we're 16th out of 18th in the competition. That's total disposals, we're, is it? Total disposals. We're 6th for kicking. We average 225 kicks a game, and yet we're 15th in handball at 130. So we've always talked about yep. that big discrepancy between kicking and handballing, and that is the kind of game style. We, we talked about that last year. So it's obviously the same game style they're running with where they're obviously favouring a lot, lot more of the kicking. Uh, it's not working. 
No, no, and we've highlighted that, we've picked that up before, and you'll have, I'm sure, disposal efficiency, particularly kicking efficiency, to go hand in hand, but that's a big discrepancy, to be well, 16th I'll, I'll kicking and 15th in handballs. We are six, we're 16th in the league for disposal efficiency, oh, for, yeah, for effective disposal efficiency. So that's a combination of both kicking and handballing. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, your kicking efficiency is going to be a bit lower than your handballing, that's probably an easier part of it but that's a massive discrepancy and it backs up what we've seen and it's probably the only part of our game plan that we've really been able to identify as our style of play is lots of kicking compared to, to handballing which means we're not getting the same run and if you are going to be a kicking team and a high kicking team six in the league for for kicks um you want to make sure you're hitting targets and we're clearly not if we're ranked 16th for disposal efficiency. And I'd say for kicking, it's probably even lower than that if you're just going to highlight that yeah, in itself. So we've got an issue there. That's a big issue to be looking at straight away. You're not going to be a good football team if you are 16th of 18 teams in disposal efficiency. No, exactly right. Uh, following on from kicking, we'll talk about marking. We're 12th uh, out of... There's a whole comp in, in marks per game. Which is interesting because if we're the sixth highest kicking team, exactly right. you it's would not think we would be pretty much matching that. We'd be the sixth highest marking team, somewhere thereabouts. There, there, there definitely needs to be, well, there definitely is, a, there should be a strong correlation between where you are with kicking and where you are with marking. That, that indicates to me that, yeah, while we're kicking it, you know, we know our disposal efficiencies. Not very good. I've just just read off that stat, and we're we're not we're not marking because either we're kicking to kicking poorly, or we're kicking to um you know ineffective you know big packs and things like that. So and it also it's, it's not a, not good. You know what? It's no surprise in that we get the runs against as we do if we're twelfth for marks because that's where you get the chance to control tempo yep. and control the game in uh. What are we, sort of two-thirds of the clubs are doing that take more marks than we are, even though we're relying on that kicking game? It's a, yeah, it's a significant worry. And again, nothing probably our eyes haven't seen, but it's good to have it backed up in stats. So I'll just run through a few others. We're 15th in tackles. Uh, pretty concerning statistic. Generally, Partic- it's a good indicator of hunger and willingness. It is, and, and, and we always say that, you know, some of the the higher uh, teams that control the ball a lot more, they'll be a team that will be lower in tackles just because, you know, you don't have the opportunity when you've got the ball a lot. But Carlton isn't one of those teams. Uh, we've been a very poor team and we've been outplayed a lot of the time. And that stat should be a lot higher for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at... Um, Goals and behinds. We're tenth in goals and fourth in behinds. Okay. Um, we are second on the list for something. All right, this is going to be excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Freeze. Freeze four. Ooh. Freeze four. Freeze four. And um, against, we're seventh. Okay. Um, I'll get into a bit of. Um, Midfield, we're sixth in hitouts. This is the one I find really interesting because we've talked about this year. There's been a real issue with some games we dominate the hitouts, yet we get absolutely smashed in the clearance, and vice versa. There are games when we clearly win the the clearances and the stoppages, 
but our hit outs are, are terrible. So we're sixth in the league in hit outs. And in relation to clearances, we're fifth. That's very surprising. And on yeah, face I value, I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't believe you that that's the case because, yeah, we, we have talked about it. And six in the league for hit outs, Pitt Nets played for the majority of the year. Let's yep. be honest with that. De Koning's come in for a couple of games, but we've never sort of had a show where we've talked about Pitt Nets' dominance in the ruck what? and us getting first use as a result. So No, see, I disagree with that. It's, we, we have talked about whether or not it's to advantage in players getting first use. But when you look at the just the raw statistics of it, there are a lot of games where Pitt Net has had a lot of hit-outs. Yeah, so what does that say about him? Have we been judging him a bit harshly, if you're looking at it that way? Um, because let's be honest, Casbolt hasn't given much backup for him as that second ruck for the majority of the season, so he has done it all on his no, own. No, he hasn't. And, well, the clearance is six. Is, that surprises me. No, fifth. So this is why this is why statistics are, you know, they can be misleading because like we were just talking about before, there are games, there have been multiple games this year where we've said, We've absolutely smashed in terms of hit-outs, but beaten in clearances, and then vice versa. So it probably has evened up a bit. There are games when we, you know, I can just imagine if we maybe had a, you know, a bit more diversity in the ruck, what that could mean in terms of clearances for us. Got some more gold? I've got um, uncontested possession when we're uh, 16th in the league. Whereas contested, whereas contested, we're ninth. Yeah, that comes as no real surprise. And we talk about no. our, our game style, whether it's deliberate or not, but how it actually eventuates come game day is kicking the ball forward, getting those clearances and just hacking it forward, um, which is not great game style. So that doesn't surprise me too much. And we I'll don't have that. We don't, and if we're not handballing it, we're not creating that outside game. Yes. So okay, right. we are happy just to sort of have clearances, clearances, you know, win the ball, put numbers at the ball, and then we're kicking it. And, you know, the intercept marks against would be an interesting stat if you did have that. Yep. Focus on the forward line. So to con- I'll read this all out, all four stats. So contested marks were seventh with 12.3. For goal assists, we're ninth with 8.8. Inside 50s, we're ninth. And marks inside 50, we're 11th. Yeah, okay. Contested marks, that sounds about right. We're, we're reasonable. That inside 50 count puts us, what, bang smack right as Joe Average, doesn't it, in the middle it does, of yeah. the league. And considering we keep hearing from Teague about, you know, bang on how important inside 50 count is, and that is a big sort of mantra for him, um, you'd think we might be a bit higher there rather than league average if that's sort of you know, the style, the game plan we're looking to yeah. execute and that's what we're hoping to achieve. And that contested marks that I gave is obviously not just in the 50. I mean, I think we have to attribute a lot to uh, Weedering and Jones that's around yeah. the ground, which would have boosted that up a, a, quite a bit to make a sevens. Uh, looking at clearances, I've done clearances, rebound 50s, we're sixth. Um, and I'll put that with a stat with uh, bounces, we're second with 8.8 per game. Woohoo. So I think... Those two kind of come a bit hand in hand with uh, the new recruits and and the kind of dash we've got off the half back. We're certainly not in uh, 
dire need of any halfback flankers at the moment, are we? So we're not necessarily getting it on the outside that much, but when we are, we're making sure ball hits turf out of the hand yep. and we're bouncing. Yep. Big step. And the last one. one, last one, I'll, which I was a bit surprised about the um, the, the n- number of one percenters. We're third. Yeah, that's surprising, isn't it? And guess who's above us? Giants and Saints. Yeah, I believe so, Giants lead that. So what does that say then? You'd, you'd think the, the teams of the 1% would be those that were in the eight and comfortably in the eight. So, yes. Again, I, I think that, that stat is a bit strange because you know, it's and look, a subjective might, stat, I want to thank um, AFL Live, Woody Live and uh, Woody Wire. I got all my stats and there might have been some that I might have muddled up, but it sounds... I did check and it, 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 I couldn't believe that stat. Mm, it's... um. Yeah, it's a fascinating one. But uh, Champion Data takes the stats and all these other sites, uh, footy-wise, you've mentioned, uh, collate and put it to, together. And it's the 1% is, is a pretty subjective stat. What It is. What yeah. is a one percenter? How is it picked up? How is it properly recorded? It's a bit different to a mark or a contested mark, even if it's still a bit subjective. But a one percenter, very hard to measure. So perhaps, you know, you put a bit down to an inaccuracy of you know, recording that information. But, yeah, that's a bit fascinating, considering also that our tackles will so down on tackles. I've just checked the one percenters again. We're third. Yep, okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably a bit meaningless. So, you know, we've gone through some stats. We've got some rationale. Nothing there, like, really, really surprises us. Uh, a lot of that no. sort of reinforces what our eyes see. I mean, there were some, you know, smaller surprises there. But done with the stats, let's go the eye test how do you think we've gone this year well, I think be done with stats been... and just look at it objectively for, for the passionate Carlton supporter the, the Carlton member who gets to as many games as they can you know with COVID watches yeah. every game on TV I mean you don't miss a game whether it's in person or on TV yep. tell us tell us how you're feeling tell us where the team is at I I think the We've been really disappointing through the midfield. I think we, when we do get clearances, I think they're very they're empty clearances. There's a lot of hack ball that we do, um, which it's not to our advantage when it goes into our forward fifty. So even you know, while we say it goes into our forward fifty, you know, probably average amount of times, it's really to know to benefit for the forwards. Uh, a massive issue I find is our forward 50 in terms of how easily the opposition get it out and how easy we are to score on the rebound. I think defensively we've been okay. We've obviously just had a lot of lapses in games, which we've spoken about, red time goals, where I think we're the worst in terms of conceding goals with five minutes to go. That's been probably the big thing for me. Um, there's been a lot of... That's a big thing that's bothered me all year, is yeah. that we've, we've, we've taken big leads... Uh, you know, Sydney's a perfect example. I think we got three or four goals up in the first quarter. It looks great. Uh, and they just kicked away too easily. We give up way too many goals. Um, but apart from that, in terms of the back line, I think, you know, we've got Weedering and Jones. Weedering's been, you know, close to all Australian. Mackay's been close to all Australian and uh, Sam Walsh as well. So the spine is good. It's just the, the other thing is probably the, the players 14 to 22 just aren't getting the job done. Yeah, it's a fair fair assessment. I completely agree. That bottom part of the the team, those you know, bottom six or so, aren't at league standard or top eight 
standard and we've been found out there you talk about the uh the wasted forward 50 entries and how quickly it does come out and that's that's into a forward line that does have injuries and is missing targets obviously charlie kerno out for the for the year so far um mitch mcgovern pretty similar sort of story there but yeah, yeah. i think that's a big issue and that's from the midfield that transition into the forward line and then also being able to lock it in it is non-existent there good take on the defenders um They've generally stood up pretty well. I still think there's some tweaking that needs to be done because we can get scored against quite easily and quite quickly. Whether that is due to midfield or lack of midfield pressure is the other thing. But I think that's our biggest concern at the moment is the midfield. There's been, there's been a bit of stuff in the media in relation to... Obviously, we've got these new back flankers. Uh, we've Saad and we've got uh, Zach Williams. We've got Doherty, who's majority of the, the year has played off the back flank. I think it's David King who's been pretty critical about... And look, it's not a not a terrible um, opinion, but they're very attacking back flankers. But maybe the criticism is, do they do the defensive work? And is that where we can potentially leak goals? Uh, there's also been highlights with the midfield in terms of some of the midfielders not getting back enough and doing enough to, to prevent those goals. So maybe that's where... You know, is it the midfielders of that half back that are leaking, and are we being too too tough on on the kind of core defence? I'll say it again, and we've said it for a long time. I still think we're a lockdown defender down, a small lockdown defender down. We play Lockie Plowman in that role, and love him or hate him, and you've generally one or the other. If you're a Carlton supporter, probably with more towards the hate side, that's the role he does. Whether he should be doing it is a completely different story. I still feel we're definitely one lockdown sort of mid-sized small defender and I think that doesn't assist us when it comes to fast ball movement into our forward or defensive 50 you've, you've talked about uh you know fitness and the red time goals that are coming do we do we just put that down to fitness and conditioning is it as simple as that I mean it's got to be some component of it surely we play, Ooh, we, we control the tempo of games, you know, for 10, 15 minutes per quarter and then just get blown away in those last, as you said, five minutes of actual, you know, recorded gameplay. What does that come down to? Well, I think it's, if it's fitness, I think that might be even easier to swallow than if it's just a lack of care and lack of effort on behalf of the players. And, you know, that's mental or physical, you know, and it can be a combination of the could, two. They don't have to be combi- mutually exclusive, but And I'd prefer it to be physical. I'd prefer that we are gassed, physically gassed, rather than it's you look at the good teams this year who are playing footy, play uh, teams like Melbourne who a lot of players sacrifice their game because they are they're ultimately playing a team role and what's best for the team. I feel Carlton aren't there yet and I think there's there's disharmony, uh there's um there's just not a lot of team cohesion. Uh, I'm sorry, this is kind of getting on, but you know, we talk about you know a couple of weeks ago, Liam Stocker kicking his first goal. Three players get around him. We've seen a lot of times when when players have been uh, manhandled by the opposition. We don't see people get around. So I wonder if is it a flow-on effect from that? You know, we talk about physicality, but we talk the mental side of it, and there's just not enough care or enough pride to wear the jumper. Um, I think that's a massive issue for us as well. Yeah, without a doubt, the mental side of things, we've not conquered and we're a long way off 
the better teams who can. You know, I guess I'm looking at but it. But you can't team. just conquer that, can you, Chris? You no, can't no, just it's hard. It's something, it's wake a... up one morning and no. go, I'm going to show a bit of heart today. Absol- you either have it or you don't. And Absolutely it's a real not. concern that we're not seeing it. And you sort of sometimes, you know, you, you, you're generally born with that. It's hard to sort of teach. You can bring it out of people. But, you know, it's, it's, that's a, the culture side of things. But if we get back to the fitness side of things, and we're saying a lot of it can be attributed to the fitness and not running our quarters, fitness, that's an indictment on Andrew Russell, isn't it? Massive indictment. We've spent, you know, we've spent, that's, that's his role. That is his role. Um, let's be clear about that. A massive part of his role. We've spent big dollars to get him over. He came with all the recommendations from Hawthorne. A lot of those Hawthorne players absolutely loved him. He's come here with his big reputation, but if we're not playing our quarters, and not just and fourth quarters as well, fatigue. If it is the physical side, surely comes back to him. Yeah. And again, yeah, an, an mean, indictment. Well, and that's it. And Chris, we're, we're talking about those the big four issues. Well, that one's coaching, and one's the the conditioning. Uh, it's you know. That's that's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? We're losing games because of red time goals. We are, yeah. We absolutely are, and we did last year as well. Um, so nothing's really changed there, and we've supposedly got one of the best in the business, if not the best, and we're not able to run out games. We're not able to run out quarters. Yeah, absolutely. And and Andrew Russell, obviously, like you said, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's in charge of, his conditioning. It's also about uh, management of injuries, when we go through um, individual players, there's been we've had a shocking injury list this year. Uh, we've had long-term injuries. We've had a lot of, you know, niggling injuries early with Cunningham and Fisher and, and Martin and players like this. Surely that's his domain as well and something that we're not getting right. Yeah, it is. And let's be up front. We're always going to get injuries. Every yes. football club has injuries. We're always going to get them, and as soon as someone comes back, it's every chance someone else is going to get injured. But there is a difference between sort of those collision-related injuries mm-hmm. and soft tissue injuries, or related. You know, some of those that can be managed, avoided. Um, you know, collision ones can't be avoided. You know, they're, they're going to happen in a physical contact sport. So we'll, you know, we will separate the two. We yeah, haven't but, had a lot of collision, no. you know, touch wood, but we haven't had a lot of collision-based no, injuries this year. Yeah. It's all been soft tissue, all this stuff that we're supposed to have the best in the business. This kind of thing should be managed a bit better, you'd, you'd think. Yeah, and again, you're right, that's Russell's domain. He's there about getting them conditioned, getting them ready to play, getting them hardened, you know, um, fitness-ready to play football. That includes being able to run out games, but it also means enduring games that way and yep. on both of those fronts it's very hard to say that we've been successful yep i agree with that chris do you have anything else in relation to the team as a whole or we're we going to move on to oh, some players? Look, i think i think we've probably touched on it quite well i mean we're going to recap the back line's going okay even though it has been scored against heavily it's very hard yep. for us to put our finger on whether that's the defender's fault or the ball's just moving i mean that west coast game the ball, those first three goals, how easily the ball transitioned and just went straight through the middle oh. of the ground into the back line. It doesn't matter what back line you've got there when it's a stroll through the middle that easily there. So how much you can attribute to it. We've got Wiedering yeah. playing unbelievable football. Liam and Jones. Wiedering and Jones, they haven't copped a bath this year, have they? No. There hasn't been a player from the opposition that's absolutely torn us apart. 
no, which is crazy to think that we have had some reasonable scores kicked on us um, that way, and both of those two have helped sort of their ends up well. So I think the back line's okay. I think, yeah, we are that balance between being too offensive and not being defensive enough. We don't have any true, you know, defenders as such. You know, you can you can put attacking players, you can put sort of quasi-midfielders back there, and they're going to look good one way. But if you can't defend and you're playing in the defensive 50, it's a concern, and I think that's an issue mm. we have. Um, that one-on-one, you know, we bring in Liam Stocker, throw him back. He's not a defender. He's never defended in his no. junior football, uh, even playing in the twos, really. You know, he had that one week where he went back there and got, you know, 25 possessions, and everyone thinks automatically defender. No, he's an attacker. He's a midfielder. He uh, won the Morrish Trophy for, you know, the best midfielder as a midfielder in the under-18s. Yeah. He's an attacking. His mindset is, you know, see ball, get ball, deliver ball. Uh, so there's yeah, a bit of an issue there, but otherwise I think it's been holding up okay. I think the midfield, we've just got holes there. We just don't have enough elite talent to support basically Sam Walsh it is at the moment. Ordinarily we'd be saying Patrick Cripps, but uh, yep. he's been down, so we don't have that elite and or enough of those elite footballs. We just have a lot of sort of, you know, Players that are their output is at a sort of B minus C level when they're going in there and they're not winning enough ball, they're not using it well enough. And then the forward line is probably been functioning okay ish, considering you know quite a few injuries to the key targets. Obviously Harry Mackay is leading the Coleman at the moment. He does get a lot of ball kicked to him because he's that physical presence and he does lead well and he does And he's been able goals. to manage it. Yeah, and exactly right, Neil Draw, and he's been playing a bit banged up as it is himself. We've uncovered a couple of gems, or not gems, but some, uh, I guess, semi-diamonds in the rough that we weren't quite sure. Matty Owies has popped up and yep. played some reasonable football, but we've had to reconstruct that forward line. It's not our ideal scenario due to injuries, and it's probably probably being okay, except for the fact the ball does come out very easily. But yep. again, is that part of that midfield transition, and if the balls aren't being kicked to the right places and they're being intercepted. Of course, it's going to come out easy. Yeah, and one one other last thing I think um, we, we've always talked about is some of the fundamentals we, we lack. Um, lowering the eyes is a big one, and I feel that our forward line really struggle because some of the deliveries coming in, the players aren't even looking. They're just trying to put it 45, 50 metres into the forward line. It's to no advantage of these of our forwards sometimes. You know, you look at some of the good teams, they'll take that extra second, they'll lower the eyes, and they'll pick off a player or reward the player leading. And I think we'd be a lot more successful in, in kicking goals if we found some of those smaller players, you know, if we you know elect not to go to, to, to Mackay all the time and just make it a little bit easier for them. Yeah, completely agree with you. And I think kick, kick goals, kick goals the traditional way. Yeah, don't have to always be putting him in positions where he bets have to to rove a pack, you know. And all other teams do it. You know, we watch a lot of football, and you see how easy it is. You know, they might give two or three kicks, but they find the loose man in the forward line eventually. They might be twenty meter kicks, but they hit that target and set somebody up yep. for a set shot, a goal. But I think you raise a good point, which we've briefly sort of touched on. But we play dumb football yep. in in almost all facets of the game, I don't believe we're, we're a clever, smart, you know, team uh, when it comes to, to football. Our football IQ seems to be terrible. Our execution, our decision-making, um, 
just a lot of areas we play some really dumb football. Yep. And is that on the players? Is that on the coaches? Is it a combination of the two? Obviously, in the heat of the battle, it's hard for the coaches to do too much there and then, but are they setting us up for that dumb football? Is that sort of the approach they're taking? But just in all facets, I feel... You know, and yeah, you know what? Well, I think we do run. I think part of the fitness issues, we do run, and we do run reasonably hard. But maybe we're not running smart. You know, like I'll, and I'm thinking something like that is like a Matty Cottrell, who runs. He probably chalks up the most Ks a game, but you know, possessions per kilometer run, probably pretty low. And always see him running, but generally not into the right spots, dangerous spots. And it's not to pick on him, but I think that's a, a representation of the whole team as well. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Chris, we're going to move to, to players now. And I think what we should do is we'll go down the list in terms of uh, jumper number. We'll talk about our a brief expectation of what we had for that player. We're going to clip and clap them so far as we, as we sit mid-season. For the 2021 season, we clip or clap them. We'll have a bit of a discussion about them and, and what we expect for the rest of the year. But we'll, we'll try and keep it as concise as we can because we've got a lot of players. Yeah, a lot of players on that list, yeah. All right, so Chris, I'm going to start. Do you, you, you understand all that? Yeah, I think so. I was, I was tuning out a yeah. little bit, but I think I'm on, on top of it <laughs> also. All right. We'll, we'll start with uh, number one, Jack Barney. Okay, so expectations coming into the season? Yep. I would imagine that the expectations were he'd solidify that starting 22 position. He's probably been on the fringes previously due to sort of a a large part of injuries, but coming into his age that you'd expect him to have solidified his position in 22, picked every week and be a constant solid contributor. Never going to get massive disposal numbers, but continue to sort of be that, you know, the... He's got some fight in him. He's got some desire, and he is a smart decision maker. So my expectations would be that, uh, yeah, he'd be easily 22. You wouldn't have to consider whether he'd be picked or not, and he'd be bobbing up for probably one and a half goals a game and putting some of that real pressure in the forward line. Okay, so he's played seven of 12 games this year. We know he's had a bit of injuries. He's kicked four goals, seven behinds, 10.9 disposal average, three marks per game. Uh, not enough goals for mine, um, and his interestingly his um, goal accuracy career goal accuracy is forty two percent. It's now down to thirty point eight percent. So he obviously needs to um, practice a little bit more. So are we giving him a clip or a clap for so far for the year? Oh, it becomes hard, doesn't it? Because you're right. He's missed a lot of games of injury. He hasn't. He didn't have that continuity. Um, in a couple of those games, he's gone off as well. So he might have played the seven games, but. Realistically, probably only played the five. What, what, what's the assessment on based on what we're expecting from the preseason? Just a clipping or clapping <laughs> his season as of now, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Clip. All right, I'll give him a I'll give him a clip as well. I think I I think he's a really important player, but I'd love to see more goals, and I'd love to just see. Um, you know, he's had the opportunity, he's kicked a lot of behinds and, yeah. and he's missed a lot that haven't even registered. So just, you know, if he gets that accuracy up, like we said, we know he's not going to get high disposals. Um, we don't expect that, but he's a really smart footballer. I love him in the 22. So He needs um, to make the I, most. I expect, 
in his exactly. most of his chances because he doesn't get it get the ball that yeah. often. So if he's not kicking accurately, um, that's that's a clip. So I'm solidified with that one. Rest of the year, Number- what what do we want to see? Well, we just want to see him solidify that 22 and I think kick more goals and increase that accuracy and just the consistency being on the park. Contract status for Jack? Because this is you got important. It in front of you? Yeah, this is an important sort of discussion to be having now because, as we know, it's a brutal industry and we will need to trim our list at the end of this year. Um, so he's, yeah, he, so he's, he's contracts up at the end of the year. Yeah, 2021. After six years being at the club. Um, any doubt or any risk of I think, not I being think offered? We'll, I think we'll be offering him another contract. But um, in saying that as well, you know, there's, you know... He needs to really find his place, though, in this team, doesn't he? He does. And there's, look, there's an external review, which we don't know how how deep, like we said, it's going to go. But someone like a Silvani's also got a lot of trade value. And I think he'd be, you know, welcomed on a lot of other teams. I would like to see him stay. I think he's in the top 22, so hopefully he stays there. He's got a lot of go about him, and that's exactly what he, he needs. So, All right. All right. We're going to keep these lines yeah, down. Yep. Paddy Dow, 49 gamer, 2017 draft pick number three. He's played seven of 12 games. Uh, expectation going into the year. We wanted Paddy in the best 22, without a doubt. In that starting midfield, probably. We knew he wasn't going to be electric or consistent all games, he's still young, he's still developing, but the hope was that he would become, at worst, a good AFL midfielder, and in his best games, explosive, and you know potentially be a difference maker, even at his age. So I think that was the hope there, and obviously his disposal efficiency to improve, but him really yep. actually you know, growing up and belonging there, um, I think that's what we were looking at. Flip or clap? He's going to be a clip. He's a clip for me. 10.7 disposals. His disposal efficiency, as you t- touched on, is 58%. He's kicked one goal. Seven of 12 games is a little bit cheeky because we know that he missed um, the game when he got knocked, uh, that heavy knock within about yeah, five minutes. Game, yep. His uh, overall, his stats are, are, are down. Um, but most importantly, his uh, clearances are down. His contested possessions are down. That's his bread and butter. We talk about soccer before, see ball, get ball. That's what Paddy Dow is. He's a clip for me. I think we need to see, my expectation for the rest of the year is to see him play as many games as he can in the ones, if not injured. And for us to make a, a, a big decision at the end of the year, he's, he's contracted till 2022. Um, we know that he's a player, that he's, he's a high draft pick. And I think there's a there's a big chance that he's going to be uh, potentially traded. So we want to see if he can play football. I hope he can literally grab the uh, opportunity with both hands. Yeah, spot on. He just needs to make sure that he's not in that conversation for being dropped when he plays a game of football and plays for the rest of the year. And he doesn't have to hit those massive highs that we, we all sort of suspect deep down that he can. But he needs to make sure that he's nowhere near that conversation of uh, the ins and outs each weekend to not play another game in the VFL. He needs to he needs to stay in the AFL from his perspective. Number three, we've got Mark Murphy. He's played 10 of 12 games. Uh, expectation for the year? That he'd provide leadership, uh, some teachings, that he'd probably be playing in that sort of half-forward flank, you know, wing, less contested ball, and that he would be really sort of, yeah, providing that leadership, best 22 
still um, and keeping blokes out just because his performance was still reasonable. Clip or clap? Clip. I'm going to give him a clip as well. I think you're spot on. You know, we're losing a lot of games by 22 points. We want to see this leadership, this 295-game player. You know, Former captain. Though, former captain. These kind of guys get us over the line. His stats are still pretty good. Um, his, his tackles are low. We know that. Um, his tackles inside um, 50 are almost non-existent. We know that he's got the shoulder issue. He can't tackle. His disposals are down, but his goal accuracy is up compared to his career. It's at 70% as opposed to 51% uh, of his career. So... Um, he's out of contract at the end of the year. I don't he won't see be, him offered another one, do you? No, no, no. He's, it, Mark Murphy, that, this is his final year for Carlton. He's been a, a tremendous player and former captain and, and most likely will get to the 300 game. Uh, what's your expectation for the end of the year? Will we persevere and play him or will we try and... Uh, you know, promote some of these kids from the twos? Yeah, this is the fascinating one. Uh, what approach you take and I think this review will come up with a lot of sort of uh, direction for how how we go there I think regardless that Teague's going to have so much pressure to play some of these younger kids which is kind of what we've been asking for previously to see what they've got I just personally can't see him playing too many more games for the rest of the year because the shift's got to come and again we said it the other day that uh, Teague can't just keep doing what Teague's been doing so no. far, because that's very clearly been highlighted by the board that that's not acceptable, and he won't deal with that. And if he keeps, you know, putting in the same inputs, he's going to get the same outputs. So, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him with a few of these senior players. Um, I think in Murphy's case for him, what he's got to do himself is he's just got to get involved, keep getting involved, and uh, provide that leadership. But it's not his go these days. Um, you know, we we need yeah. the older blokes to be setting the example and. He can't do that necessarily because whether it's his injury, but he's not a physical player. Um, he doesn't lead from the front that way. Never really has been, but uh, yeah, I I think he's in a bit of trouble personally. Number four, Lockie O'Brien, 37 game, obviously pick number 10 in the 2017 draft. He's only played one of 12 games this year, so we don't have too much to say, but I think the expectation would have been, again, like we've spoken about these other players in the 22, showing what he can do with that number 10 um, draft pick. He's an absolute clip for me when he can't help it, when he can't get on the park. He's now playing in the twos. He can't get into the team. Um, what's if you, Chris, a clip or a clap? He's getting a clip. High draft pick coming into the, yep. you know, starting the prime of his football career. What's four years in the system, something like that. This is when he should be advancing 10th, Yep, best footballer in his year, you know, is what we believe. Out of anyway, contract at the end of the year as well. Out of contract. I just don't know. I don't know what's going on with Lockie O'Brien. And again, it's that sort of development issue there. He's obviously, he's played okay in the twos from what we've seen, what we've read, but he hasn't been knocking the door down. If he had been knocking the door down, he would have been selected. You know, David Teague wants to win games. We want to win games. He's languishing. He's floating. He's whatever. It's a clip from me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rest of, rest of the year, what's, what's he got to do? Well, he's got yeah. to get himself in the team, first of all. Get himself into the and team. And do it, in the do team. it by the twos. Yeah, do it by the twos. Knock the door down. That's exactly right. If not, I have a feeling that 
he's in a very similar boat to Paddy Dow. I think that we all want to see him play to at least evaluate what he is at the club before we can make a big decision. But I think he might be in trouble if we can't get him in for well, the first yeah, team. Look, I agree. He's got, what, how many weeks left? 11 weeks left to get himself in the yep. team. And not only that, yep. just demonstrate that he belongs in this team moving forward. He's got age on his side, which a lot of other players don't. But he's, yeah, he's got to, he's got to give us something... He's got to give a yeah. reason to give him the opportunity, and then he's got to deliver. Number five, we've got SPS. He's played 88 games. He's the number six uh, draft pick in the 2006 draft, and he's played eight out of 12 games. He's obviously fallen out of form. As anyone who listens to these podcasts will know, he is a clip for me this year. SPS, he's been extremely disappointing, unfortunately. What's your you, Chris? A clip or a clip? Clip. Without a doubt. We had high expectations. Again, we have every single year. He should be elevating his game. He hasn't. He's gone backwards. Whether he's been played in the right position or not, it's a different story. Probably yep. hasn't, but either way, he's an AFL footballer. The talent that he, he came with, the talent he's meant to have, he should be able to play anywhere. I think part of it's a dedication issue with him. Um, playing off a halfback flank, he should be getting a lot of disposals and using it. It's an easier position to yep. play. A lot of the time, when he, especially when you're not that locked down. Defender. And I was one of those persons that thought that he's played in the, ro- the, the wrong position, and I still do think that, but I think you made a really good point. You're right. Halfback flank, if he's good enough player, he should be absolutely carving it, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, it's a, it's a big clip for me, probably the biggest clip on the list yep. for me. Uh, in terms of stats, metres gained, rebound 50, one-on-one um, intercept marks and intercept possessions a little bit up compared to his uh, career average. However, they're all all the stats are still in a very average kind of uh, bracket. So he just he's coming up to a hundred games. Yeah, he should be purring oh, yeah. along. Now he he's he's out of contract at the end of the year. I dare say um, there'll be Carlton will be looking for a trade. I'm we're talking about expectations till the end of the year. I don't think he'll uh, potentially play unless he absolutely dominates consecutively in the twos. I don't think he's going to get back into the team. And I think um, I'd almost say that there'd be a decision's already kind of been made on him that they're, they're going to be looking to trade him in, and there's no point in actually playing him in the team at the, at the expense of other players. Yeah, I think they've probably moved past him. But when I say they, I'm talking about the current regime, which is one down yeah. now with John Barker anyway. So this might all depend on the review for him moving forward uh, and what comes of that. But I think at the moment, current administration, current team, I think they've, they've gone past him, they've moved past him, and exactly right. I think they'll be looking to, to trade him out. Yeah. But again... And that's the interesting thing as well. You get a new coach, he might be able to find some of these players the that have been a bit out of form. Flip, flip, you know, flip the switch, might be able to see something that the current regime haven't. And some of these players completely turn their careers around. But, you know, um, if you're Arnie, we, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Number six, we've got um, Zach Williams who's played nine out of 12 games this year. Um, expectation for him coming in, Chris? Well, the expectation was that he was going to get midfield minutes and he was going to bring yep. the class, that run and carry, that good use, and we were going to boost our midfield with a, an elite talent. I think that was the expectation. I mean, a lot of people did have question marks of whether that would happen, but that was the expectation. That's why we went out and offered him six-year contract, five-year contract. It, you know, big money that he was going to come. We weren't recruiting him as the halfback flank. That was the role we were getting sarred for. We uh, expected him to be playing big.
big midfield minutes and, and dominating games and earning that paycheck in the midfield. Clip or clap? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a clip. I'm gonna give a clip, and the reason I'm giving a clip is because although he's had some good games, particularly recently when he's been moved to halfback flank, he put his hand up wanting to play midfield minutes. He wanted to come to the club to play midfield minutes. I'm not sure he got his body right to do that. I think he probably thought it was just going to happen. Um, and without yep. that acknowledgement that you know you're going to have to increase your fitness levels there, there is a difference there. He's on a lot of money to be playing off the halfback flank. Yeah. What about you? I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a clap. I think he's the games he has played, he's he's been a solid contributor. He's um, one thing I've noticed about doing all these player stats is, um, and I looked at Williams, his the big stat for him is the meters gained are up compared to his career average. But in fairness, they're up for every player because of these new rules. And particularly, obviously, the, the man on the mark rule is, has allowed that, I think, and, and there's been changes. So it's a little bit of a, an empty stat. But look, he's down a little bit for his career. He's kicked, he's kicked three goals this year. I'd love to see him be a bit more damaging. I know he's a predominantly playing off the back flank, but I've seen him go forward and kick goals. And I think that's something that would be really good if he could do. Um, I'd just love to see him just steadily increase his performance about what he's given us this year. And I think, um, look, has he been worth the 850? Absolutely not at the moment, but I think he can be. So my expectation is he'll he'll improve his game a lot more. Is there midfield but, hope for him? Um, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. It's it's not something that I was I wanted him at the club to be a midfielder. I wanted him because he was a quality player. Um, but he hasn't been able to cut it in the midfield, but I think he's been good off the off the back line. So I'll give him a clap. We've got um, one we'll just touch on is, is Kennedy. Oh, sorry, uh, Williams is contracted to 2097. 2097? Yeah, so he's he's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, so. one player who's contracted only till the end of the year and he's in trouble is Matt Kennedy, number seven. He's only played three out of 12 games. So, Chris, the expectation this year, and are you clipping him or are you clapping him? Well, I mean, we have to be realistic with Matt Kennedy. We dropped him off our list last year and re-rookied him. So for a senior player, high draft pick, he was dropped off the list and picked up as that mature-aged rookie. So expectations are pretty low for Matt Kennedy, I think it's probably fair to say. And to be honest, it's probably sort of a... He's probably delivered on what those expectations were. Good, Very good player in the VFL and... Three chances this year hasn't sort of stamped or asserted himself like we hoped he might have. Um, we hadn't lost complete hope, but it's uh, it's definitely dwindling now with his age, the the time yep. on the list, and his role on that list. So I mean, expectations were low, outputs been low. Do I clip? Do I clap? It's it's in between, really. Um, I'll give him a clip because I was hoping you know he might be able to solidify a spot or. Play a bit better when he was in the team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, what, the last sentence you said. I hope that when he had the opportunity to be in the team, which we know he's not going to be every week, he would have uh, done a bit more. So it's, it's a clip. Um, and again, it's, it's a disappointing good footballer, that we're but talking this yeah. way about another high draft pick who's mm. at that perfect age. He, he should be smashing the AFL based on a, his pedigree, his pick. And his age, but it's just not happening. And, you know, he didn't come to us incredibly cheaply either when we got no. him, and the expectations would have been higher. Number eight, we've got Lockie Fogarty, who's 
Um, funnily enough, he's, he was picked 22 in the 2017 draft, same as uh, uh, Lockie O'Brien and Paddy Dow. Um, he's played 34 games, but he's played 11 out of 12 for Carlton this year. Clip or clap, Chris? So just managed in the last game. I'm giving him a clap for sure. Our expectations leading into the year, we were a bit unsure. We thought he might have been used as that small forward and perhaps he might have been a little slow, but uh, he surprised us there with the pace. His tackling has been very good. I'm giving him a clap. He's he's a smart footballer by the look of him. Yeah. And he's faster than I'd given him credit for before. And don't be surprised if he ends up playing a few midfield minutes as well. Yeah, absolutely. He um, He's a massive clap for me. Uh, he's kicked six goals. He kicked five goals for Carlton this year, um, and in a career that he'd only kicked eleven. Um, so he's kicked eleven. Sorry, five of them have been for Carlton. So he, he can find the goals. He's goal assists. Goal assists. He, the big one is his ground ball gets um, five point three a game, which is uh, considered elite. One of the by few, AFL Live, and one of the few in the team that can actually stick a tackle. Yeah, so four point one tackles a game. Um, he's hard. He, I, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Lockie Fogarty, and I'd love to see him um, continue on the kind of trajectory that he's going on. It's a horrible word. It's hard. It's a tricky one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. Um, The rest of the year, continue, discontinue doing what you're doing. He he dropped away a little bit for a couple of weeks, and that might be why he's being managed. But yeah, get back in the team. You're your best 22. Keep tackling hard. Stick those tackles and use your your footy IQ and your, your good disposal. Yeah, and a contract until the end of the year. He, Carlton will be looking to re-sign him for sure. Uh, number nine, Patrick Cripps, 130 gamer. And perhaps, perhaps we leave it on this one too, and we come back to do the remaining list in a couple of days. How does uh, that sound? Because yeah, I like it. You know, we we want to make sure we're doing uh, giving due sort of respect to the players and analysis and this is going to be a long one we don't want it to go too long but I think we end it with the co-captain and we come back to finish the pod I like the idea yeah you agree with that so let's give let's do it Paddy the, the time he deserves and uh, we'll call an end and then come back to do the remaining list alright so like I said he's played all games this year he's out of contract at the end of the year as a restricted free agent Chris is here, clipper a clap, and what were your expectations of him this year? Well, he's a man that comes with massive expectations. Uh, bloke who's won the MVP in the competition as judged by his peers, the co-captain of the club, and at his best, one of the top probably five footballers in the AFL, all uh, injury-free and firing. That's the expectations, that he was going to come in and he was going to get his 30 touches a week, kick a couple of goals and be that midfield bull that helped, uh, you know, dish the ball out to the outside runners. Clip or clap, I'm going to give him a clip and he's down on that production. He hasn't been anywhere near it, to be honest. He's come good last bit. He's been hampered by injuries, uh, absolutely no doubt, and pretty much for the whole year. Um, a couple of, you know, separate ones potentially as well. We know about the back, but also his yep. knee hasn't looked Great. So it's unfortunately because we love the man, but in terms of the season, and we're looking at it from, uh, you know, being halfway through eleven games in, it's it's a clip on the expectations that we we have for him and have set. Yeah, and look, I agree with you. Um, any other player, he's a clap. 
we've just we we've got such a high standard for Crips and he's set the bar so high that he's been down. He's also had some really good games. He's um he's averaging still averaging twenty five touches a game. His contested possessions are down. The one I've noticed a lot is clearances are down a bit. Um, 5.7 this year to 7.1 for his career. Makes it hard when you um, can't bend over and pick the ball up, doesn't it? It does. Back? Look, he's exactly right. His, his disposal efficiency is uh, about 69%. His kicking efficiency is 53.5%. Um, it's his impact It's down. You can go yeah. through every single stat, but I think yep. you know, realistically... If Everything's down. Yeah, everything's down. But it's, well, you know, his clearances are really good, but they're down on what they were. Yeah. The one thing that I've liked is uh, he's kicked eight goals, seven, and at the start of the year we saw some bad misses, but the last kind of month he's gone back and kicked them, and we've seen him have a three-goal game, which I think is just awesome. Yeah, yeah, and he's actually kicked some of those set shots. So you take eight, seven, the start of this year for uh, Paddy Cripps' goal kicking accuracy. So that's a step in the right direction. In uh, if he can get his body right, and hopefully this break really helps him freshen up a little bit but that is probably the one positive we've seen is uh is kicking goals and set shot goals which is really important because they will throw him forward and if he can go down there and nail those it makes a big difference if he kicks one or two goals a week as opposed to one or two points but we, we just hope he gets fit and he gets right um you know the bloke carries a fair bit of pressure on his shoulders too Matthew. he's still a young captain um, not necessarily the, the big extrovert type from what we can gather of one of the biggest clubs in the land. He's put his body on the line. He's carried, he's played through injuries. Um, yeah, let's just hope he gets the body right and he gets a bit more support and we're still lacking that. And we're saying that, you know, three years later than when we first really raised it, you know, as supporters. Yeah. That way, that hasn't come. The others haven't stood up. I mean, apart from Walsh, but he's more of a sort of inside-outside game so fingers crossed the body gets right and he has a big second half of the year because he has had ailments through the first bit his impact has been lower he's tried to bite off more than he can chew at times and i think once he got back to a simpler game his performance improved but uh, he yeah. does have the way of the world thinking he has to do everything and you know with the way the club has been the team that's probably fair enough to some degree yeah look i think if you take off the first few weeks of the of the year, it'd be a much more. Uh, I think would be a lot more positive about how his year's been. He's he's getting better. I think the the second half of the year, we just hope he kind of gets back to that form that we saw a couple of years ago and and a bit more consistency and and hopefully you know niggling injuries which we know he does have, yeah, improve over the bye and. But that'd be uh, good. So contract status is the big worry, though, isn't it? Because yeah, well, we I mean, have heard that he was going to sign. That hasn't eventuated. There's nothing uh, official that has come out of the club, well, even though it was almost taken as gospel. That the club that was have the case. said the club have said that it was prematurely um, announced by the media. So, from what I can gather from that, they might be saying that you know they didn't really want. Obviously, they didn't want it announced when it was because now it's looking like this. They've announced it and there's been no update about it. So whether or not that's true or not... It's, um, it's fascinating timing, though, with this review happening right now because I'd imagine there'd be quite a few players in this list whose contracts were coming up at the end of the year that were going to... And their managers were relying on this time of year to do some moving and shaking and to start progressing those deals, yep. even making announcements. Um, two weeks off, there's the perfect opportunity. But without any sort of certainty about the future... 
Oh, I'd imagine mm. the player managers are going to be saying, oh, wait a sec, we want to see what the outcome of this review is before we're going to put pen to paper and commit years to, to your club. We want to see what that looks like and you know what the future may hold. So it will be fascinating. I, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't expect too many signings to come over the next couple of weeks, which would ordinarily be sort of probably a time where they do. And we, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about Mackay as the next player, but um, you know, he said that he wanted to pretty much hold off until the buy, um, and that was prior to the external review being announced. So you're right, this is a big time where I think a few people will be a bit uh, cautious about signing long-term contracts at Carlton, and I think that, that's a big concern for us. And they've got every right to be too. You know, you Absolutely, want to know what yeah. direction you're going. It's a it's a massive commitment at yep, the highest earning, uh, you know period of your, your career so we'll, we'll wait and see but I think that probably does us yeah so we're up to big, big H in between Paddy and H good time to, to stop it we're at the uh, hour mark let's uh, let's regroup and finish off the list in a couple of days alright sounds good Chris alright uh, I guess the other comment we want to make is thanks everybody for, for listening to us uh, this year and previous years as well, we're at the, the bye mark. It's been a tough 11 games to, to do a podcast for and for for fans to endure performances on the field, but also uh, listening to podcasts, analysing the game afterwards when you know sometimes the last thing you want to be doing is thinking of football. So we do thank our loyal supporters and listeners for, for tuning in. All right, Chris. All right, Andy. We are the Blue Baggers. The Blue Baggers.